everyone has an opinion about healthcare. And everyone from legislators in Washington, D.C. to your talkative neighbor down the street thinks they have the solution that will make it work. The tech industry is no different. Today, tech companies and innovators are making more attempts than ever to break into health. But as they soon learn, healthcare is different from the tech world. Very, very different. And then that's when they realize, wow, this is really complex. You know, this isn't a one industry. It's many different industries. It's very complicated. It's very regulated. Aaron Martin understands that experience because he used to be in those shoes. Aaron has spent most of his career in the tech world. He even spent eight years as a vice president at Amazon. But now Aaron's taken a deep dive into the health world. He's an executive at Providence St. Joseph Health, where he leads innovation and health technology. Providence is a nonprofit health and social services system, and it's the sponsor of this inaugural season of our Health Tech Podcast. GeekWire editor Todd Bishop and I spoke with Aaron at a special live recording of the show at Providence's headquarters in Seattle. On this episode of Health Tech, we're sharing our conversation with Aaron about how his tech roots have helped him shape new innovation in healthcare and how others from tech can do the same. From GeekWire.com in Seattle, I'm Claire McGrain. Welcome to Health Tech, where we take you to the cutting edge of digital health. Stay with us. GeekWire's Health Tech podcast is brought to you by Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group, leveraging best-in-class digital tools to relentlessly reimagine health and healthcare. Follow them on Twitter at ProvInnovation. That's twitter.com slash P-R-O-V innovation. Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group, making it easier, more collaborative, and more rewarding to take charge of your health. We're here at Providence St. Joseph Health. It's one of the biggest nonprofit health organizations in the country. And Erin, you do a number of different things. So to start off, could you give us like a quick rundown of the various roles you have here? Yeah, I, there, there are three parts to my role. First one is uh, I lead Providence Ventures, which is a $150 million venture fund that invests in healthcare IT and uh, medical devices. The second part of my role is as chief digital officer. I lead basically the consumer-facing and caregiver-facing interfaces for uh, our technology stack. And then the third part is I have a governance role on the executive council. That's the team that leads the, the health system. And you run the internal startup incubator. Where does that kind of Yeah, that in fits there? into the chief digital officer role. But you have not always worked in healthcare. In fact, you started in the technology world. Yep. You've been a founder or an early executive at two tech startups, and you spent eight years at Amazon mm-hmm. leading at self-publishing and then Kindle divisions. Yep. So how did you make the jump from technology to health, and how does your background in tech influence your work at Providence? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, super early in my career, I actually, and I have to think back literally decades, I, I was in healthcare. And I studied healthcare uh, in business school, and then I actually did consulting in healthcare. And then I took kind of, a, I guess, a right turn and um, founded a couple of companies in technology, and uh, then went to work at Amazon. And it was really interesting. I was introduced to Rod Hockman and Mike Butler, who are the Rod is the CEO, and Mike Butler is the president of uh, uh, then Providence. And, um, you know, somebody said, you really got to meet these guys. They're very forward thinking in terms of healthcare." And when I sat down with them, just blew my hair back. I mean, basically, uh, I, I like to say they're technology executives trapped in healthcare bodies, right? Like they basically think in terms of 
if we don't disrupt our own business model, somebody else will. And they really kind of understood that day one. They also understood that the pivot into digital and becoming much more uh, consumer-facing uh, was absolutely critical to the health system. And so, um, you know, started a long conversation and, uh, you know, thought it was going to be really, really um, um, interesting to, to kind of come in and, and try to, to, to work on healthcare. So. So you, it sounds like you had experience earlier in your career and now in healthcare and then a lot in the middle in tech. I'm curious if you see differences in how the two fields kind of approach solving problems, think about the challenges that they're taking on, because they have very different kind of parameters they're working in. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest differences, you know, between technology and pretty much any other industry is, you know, it's a lot faster and easier to, to, to do innovative loops. And part of the reason is, is most of the execution of the product that you're doing is done by computers and technology, right? So it sounds like a simple concept, but, you know, in any other service industry, not just healthcare, you have to basically create processes and you have to train humans to kind of go execute on those processes. And so the, the process kind of takes longer to innovate. In healthcare, it's extremely long. Um, there have been studies that sa- have said that, like, you know, new innovation in the clinical field might take 17 years to be fully adopted by the industry. And that's, to me, staggering. So that's one kind of just basic difference between the industries. Another big difference is, is obviously what people kind of call out around regulation. You know, there is definitely a lot of barriers to innovation due to regulation. But I think, you know, it's, it's the mindset you approach it with. At Amazon, we had a lot of kind of complex regulations around the different markets we were in and things like that, um, you know, tax laws and things like that, that we really, really had to kind of navigate to, for instance, build, you know, one, one part of what my team built over there was a self-publishing platform that allowed you to pay in any currency back into the single currency. That sounds easy, super complex, because all the regulations around these, these different tax laws. And so that's part of the, the innovation. That's part of the innovation is really understanding how you, you stay within the letter and the spirit of the, the, the regulation, but also can kind of achieve what you need to on behalf of customers and patients. So you're taking a lot of those lessons from the tech industry, it seems, and applying them to your work at Providence. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a couple of very specific things that you're doing. Sure. One is an in-house incubator, yep. essentially. Tell us about the creation of that incubator, how it's being run, and you've also just had, I believe, your first spinoff. Yes. So I'd love to hear about that yes. because yes. this is really fascinating to people in the tech world, how we've, these two we've worlds- we the first bird out of the nest. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first, I, I want to set the context because in the, con- the context is really important. And what we do at Providence is it's a very methodical way of kind of creating new innovations because what you can kind of run into- if you don't approach this correctly, is, is there's a lot of innovative things you can do in healthcare that really aren't going to matter and move the needle, right? And healthcare is a massive industry. Um, I, it usually shocks my friends that aren't associated with healthcare to know that it's the fifth largest economy on the planet. U.S. healthcare is right behind Germany in terms of size, right? It is a massive, massive industry in the United States. And so you really got to pick your, your battles, if you will, in terms of innovation, right? So what we do is we go through a very methodical uh, way of kind of approaching these problems. Are they big enough for us to go after and that kind of thing? And then what we do is we determine, do we already own the technology to solve the solution? Because we don't want to rebuy or re-engineer something that we already own. If we don't, 
then we go out to the market and we look for what we call best of breed. And that's where Providence Ventures comes in. So what Providence Ventures does is they go out, they look in the industry, and we also use a partner called Avia to go out and scan the market and try to find the best company that solves that problem exquisitely well. So this is then where we get to the build piece. If we don't already own it and we can't find it, then and only then will we buy it, I mean build it. Because the reason is, is once you've built technology, you kind of own it forever. And you also, to keep it fresh, you need to commercialize it. Because there's, there's many, many examples within any industry, but especially in healthcare, where technology has been built, it kind of stays within the four walls, and it becomes you know, old and, and stale, and it doesn't really compete in the marketplace. And so that's where the kind of incubator concept fits in, is, is that whenever we find white space in the marketplace, that's where we'll build, and if it's an important problem. So we've got kind of a pipeline of these different companies kind of coming through. The first one coming out, being kicked out of the nest, if you will, uh, was Zelf. And Zelf was um, the result of hiring four incredibly talented EIRs, executives and residents. These guys had previously founded a company called Swipe. Very, very prominent mobile technology yep. company. If, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you use the technology where you swipe across your phone on the keyboard on Android or iOS, it essentially was, exactly. was born by, by these folks, Mike, Mike McSherry and Mike his McSherry colleagues. and his team. And, and they, you know, they worked at Nuance afterwards and brought them over here because they really wanted to do something that had a big impact for people. And the interesting thing is, you know, the backstory on Swipe is that was going to be their social good platform the original concept of it was for people who had hard time manipulating phones that had some sort of disability. And it turns out that everybody could use that, right? And so went through a process with them, and um, they came up with this concept called Zelf. We started using it. Then they sold it to UPMC, which is uh, another large health system on the East Coast in Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. And then uh, just in April, they were funded by DFJ. So DFJ uh, led the round. And what Zelf does is pretty incredible. What it does is it allows a clinician to prescribe any non-pharmaceutical product to a patient. And it solves a problem for physicians because constantly they're recommending, hey, I think you should you know, take a look at this video, this content, use this app to kind of manage your health once we're, we're out of this session. So it's, it's a way for physicians to prescribe content or technology exactly. in some ways. And products, they're actually working with another health system to prescribe lift rides, you know, for Medicaid patients. It's, it's pretty incredible. So the, the use cases are just revealing themselves over and over again. So what about that startup approach and the entrepreneurial mindset works in health and what challenges do you face? Talk about the, the melding of those two worlds, because they seem like two different worlds, yeah. the startup world and the world of healthcare. They are. <laughs> I think that the the biggest thing that I first started talking about when I got into the health system was this notion of the lean startup model. And the fact that like you can run safely small experiments to determine whether or not there's a product possibility or whether or not you can solve a problem without having to impact you know, a million people all at once. Because healthcare has had this very kind of waterfall mindset. And some of it is necessary based on the way the, the, the health system works, right? Some of it is um, kind of self-inflicted. And so kind of bringing that mindset into, into healthcare has been a big part of it. And this is the first thing I really started kind of talking about when I got here, which is you can run safely small experiments to determine if you're solving a problem using a lean startup model. 
is it working so far for you? Yeah, I mean, that's how we've gotten these businesses out. And it's also how we've uh, been able to adopt some of the 10 portfolio companies that we've we've made investments in. So we're, we're doing a pretty good job of scaling those, our use of those technologies, which is the principal challenge in healthcare. Healthcare is really good about piloting new technologies. It's not as good about scaling them across, you know, very complex health systems. Okay, it's time for a quick break. When we get back, we'll ask Aaron about the role of tech giants like Amazon and Microsoft when it comes to health. All that and more after this break. GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast is brought to you by Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group, helping to shift the industry from sick care to health care. Providence St. Joseph Health empowers people to take a greater role in managing and improving their health. Building on Providence's history as a disruptor, the Digital and Innovation Group leverages best-in-class digital tools to reimagine a better consumer experience in healthcare. Building healthier communities requires meaningful and personalized relationships that make Providence St. Joseph Health a trusted partner in people's lives. Follow the Digital and Innovation Group on Twitter at ProvInnovation. That's twitter.com slash P-R-O-V innovation. Now back to the show. So it's not just startups and not just healthcare companies at this point that are trying to work in the health space and the digital health space in particular. Mm -hmm. We're seeing companies like Amazon and Alphabet, Google's parent company, Microsoft. What are you seeing from those companies and and what do you think of their approaches? Do you think it's going to be successful, Mm -hmm. things they could do differently? I am hopeful it will be successful. And I think um, I'm, I'm very, very optimistic it will be. They've had some false starts, some of them early on. And I think a lot of it has been due to, um, you know, what we've been talking about, which is this this lack of recognition about the episodic nature of healthcare. That most people, you know, it's like your taxes, right? If you're healthy, you don't want to think about, you know, going to the doctor next, or you don't want to think about your next medical treatment. And that's again, fortunately, most people are are that way. And so they come to this with this kind of consumer mindset. And I think what's changed is they understand a couple of things now. One is allow the market to develop new technologies and pull through their core technology instead of trying to create products themselves. You know, the version 1.0 of large, uh, health, uh, large technology companies getting into healthcare was, we're going to build products and we're going to build, you know, offerings and we're going to go directly manage patients that had chronic conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's the discussions we're having have been a lot more kind of foundational of, all right, so these startups or you guys at Providence St. Joe's are going to build products because that's what you know. You're really close to the patient. You can iterate very quickly. What we're going to do is we're going to support you with the core technology or services that we're really, really good at already. And I think they're going to learn from that as well. Um, and I think I, I'm, very, I'm super optimistic because we need the help. Um, you know, we need them to kind of move into the space very, very aggressively and, and help us change things. Why do you need the help? I mean, I, mean, I know it's a basic mm-hmm. question, but what about the healthcare industry today needs to change to make it more innovative? And, and how would you change it if you could? I think a lot of it is the cross-pollination of just the thinking. You know, when I go out and I give, give talks to the industry, I kind of bring in some settled law from the rest of the technology industry in terms of how they think about approaching problems, right? And I think it's it's only because the technology industry has had much faster cycle times in having to solve these problems because of what we talked about before, which is it's a little bit easier for them to execute because 
most of what happens in their their industry is is executed by machines by by computers right so they have faster cycles of learning and so they've they've learned some things about how to build products that we don't know yet in healthcare and and about innovation and so i think it's that cross pollination that's going to be super helpful i mean to give you one example one of the the core concepts that we're bringing in is where possible, try to build platforms for other people to innovate on. Open mm-hmm. up your platform. That is a very different mindset than what exists in healthcare, where there's a lot of fear and concern about, quote unquote, opening up the platform for innovation. And it, rightly so, because of security, because of, you know, the, the, the nature of the information that we've, we've got, et cetera, et cetera. All very valid concerns. But you look at banking and financial services, you know, other industries that have gone through this transformation, they've seemed to have managed it at least decently well to open up their platforms and let people innovate on top of them. Is that a different state of things than when you were first starting your career and, and looking at the healthcare industry then? Yes. Yes. I mean, I re-entered healthcare with some serious trepidation based on my experience in the past, which was kind of when the internet was very, 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 very young. And so a lot of these groundbreaking technologies like precision medicine, AI, and machine learning, the internet, mobile, just weren't available and weren't mature enough to be used in healthcare yet. You know, and healthcare is tends to be behind the curve in terms of adoption of technology. And so what I did before I kind of re-entered healthcare is I wanted to check and make sure that is the industry starting to adopt these these technologies and these solutions and it, it it's it's been wonderful. It does seem that healthcare at least has a reputation of being very resistant to adopting new technologies. Mm-hmm. Right, in your experience, at least, is that because people actually are resistant, or is there some other concern to do with security or safety that, that makes that a little tougher? There, there are very valid concerns about security and safety, and you have to be very diligent about that. that that's another problem to solve in terms of adoption of new technology. Like I was saying before, it's complexity. And what I typically see is you know, this kind of throwing over the the wall of, I've got this thing I want to go do. I throw it over the wall to the folks that handle legal or regulations or things like that. And then they throw back over an answer, right? Mm -hmm. And what you really need is like a collaborative discussion. And so what's really going on that's really productive here at Providence St. Joe's is we've got exceptional folks in our regulatory team, our legal team, et cetera, and they problem solve. They know the spirit, the letter, and the intent of the regulation. And then we try to explain to them what we're trying to achieve. And where possible, we come up with, okay, this is how you would approach that, right? I mean, I think that's one, one big, big way of kind of surmounting that issue. The second point I'll make is I think culture gets a bad rap because what you'll also hear in, in healthcare as well, it's the culture. I don't think health systems have really integrated digital into their strategy yet. And so what you see is a lot of piloting because there is no strategy for here is the big problem I'm trying to solve and therefore I'm going to go get this technology to go solve it. It's more like, okay, that's interesting. It seems to solve a problem and it becomes very um, diffuse. And people in, are trying to solve these problems get frustrated because there's no strategy above them to say, these are the problems they're trying to solve. And so the, the, the projects get shut down. They don't make a lot of progress. They can't scale it, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's not really a cultural issue. It's more of a setting digital priorities. If you could take one of Amazon's leadership principles yeah. and apply it to, to health, oh, what goodness. would it be? That's a good one. 
Uh, do I have to choose do, just do, one? You didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, but I'm curious. Here's which one. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, innovate and simplify, right? So I think in healthcare, we tend to, for good reason, in a lot of cases, we tend to engineer for every single possible edge case, right? And I think at some level, you need to hire people with very, very high judgment and that are trained well to take care of those edge cases, but to build processes and products to to simplify the experience for both the caregiver and, and for the patient. It's easy to innovate and complexify. That's super easy. What's really hard is to change the way something works and make it actually simpler. And I think that's the fundamental issue in, 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 in healthcare, which is how do we take a look at this problem and change it on behalf of both the caregivers and the patients, right? Start at the patient and work backwards. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, I use that all the time. Did a career at Amazon prepare you well for a career yeah, in Yeah, my, my colleagues are frankly just probably throwing up sick of hearing me use the word at, at Amazon we did X, you know, and <laughs> but I don't care. So, you know, I think I think it's I think it's bringing that thinking into into healthcare, right? I think mm-hmm. it's bringing that way of thinking in terms of how to solve problems, you know, in a different novel way. And then also being very, very open to what are the specific problems you're dealing with in healthcare. If you're not intellectually curious in this industry, you're going to have big problems. I mean, one of the things I always, I, I always talk about is there's kind of three phases that, that I've noticed that people go through if they're a technologist going into healthcare. And phase one is this kind of hubris, which is I'm here to help. Because they, they look at an industry that just from the outsider looking in makes no sense from a customer standpoint or from a caregiver standpoint. And they just assume that people haven't done the hard work of trying to make it better. And that's just not true. It's just a very complex industry. Then there is this kind of trough of despair that happens. And then that's when they realize, wow, this is really complex. You know, this isn't a one industry. It's many different industries. It's very complicated. It's very regulated. And then there's a bifurcation. Some people are like, you know what? There's easier ways to make money. I'm out. But, you know, a lot the folks on my team catch the bug and they're like, this is really important to society to kind of go work on. And they get energized by it and they kind of power through. And they also tend to be very intellectually curious people who want to understand the complexity and work with the complexity and then try to simplify it where possible. And then, you know, the third phase is folks that stay in the industry and, and make progress and that kind of thing. And so like the Zelf team went through this. I think they spent very little time in the hubris stage because they are just uh, very, very nice, intellectually curious people. So I think they adapted very well to healthcare of like really asking questions and really came up to speed very quickly on a very complex set of subjects. So I think that's a good example of a great experiment. Okay, it's time for The Fix. This is the segment where we ask our guests about the biggest problem they see in health and what could be done to fix it. It could be a frustration from their professional work or one that they encountered in their personal lives. There's just one rule. It can't be something that they're already working on. I think a lot of the the work that we've been doing so far has been around convenience, digital, those types of solutions. Typically, those apply towards folks that are, call it 25 to 45, you know, digitally adopted. 
what my team is now starting to think about in those, those, those big problem areas are two other big areas. But I've had you know, personal experience in one, one area that I'll talk about in a second. So the first one is Medicaid. Medicaid is an extremely important program in the United States. Most people don't understand who is actually covered under Medicaid for the most part. So are there folks that their children, the disabled, and most uh, nursing home dollars are paid for through Medicaid. So it's, it is literally the poor and the vulnerable. And we as a mission-based nonprofit, I will tell you, Every single member of my team, you know, most of which comes from technology, from, from Amazon, from Microsoft, from Salesforce, places like that, they're here for the mission of this organization. And so with Medicaid, what we are, my team is incredibly excited about is how do we use these technologies and tailor them to the Medicaid population and some of the specific problems that they've got, right? Um, and so there are, you know, different areas uh, that are very complex, and Medicaid is kind of like the New York of healthcare. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Because the, the, their problems are incredibly complex. They, are, they have to do with social determinants, people not having access to food and housing and those types of things. And so if you can kind of figure out population health and Medicaid, doing it in a commercial arena or in other contexts is super easy compared to that. What my team is working on are things like, how do you take the access solutions that we've created around telehealth, for instance, and point them towards the Medicaid population and make them even easier? How do you take communications like, for instance, secure texting and make that easier for the Medicaid population to access, you know, access to care? How do you make them aware of the resources that they already have access to? So that's one area is Medicaid. This is the population that needs the most help. And it's the toughest challenge. And we think we can. We have a lot of opportunities to apply digital to it. Is there one potential fix in there that you see as most promising to address that population? Oh, there's a lot. Um, so, for instance, people are shocked for some reason when somebody hasn't had access to a product or service for literally maybe a decade, all of a sudden gets access to that product or service and doesn't know how to use that product or service. So that's what's kind of been going on. Or it doesn't fit them. I mean, a lot of the Medicaid population, uh, lower income, you know, they have problems in terms of, you know, they may be working in shifts. Well, guess what? Most primary care is not open when they can access it, right? So how do we create telehealth solutions? How do we create other solutions that basically will give them better access to primary care? There's other technologies around, you know, the opioid crisis where, you know, some folks who have uh, addiction problems will go to one ED, get a prescription, then go to the next one, then go to the next one, go to the next one. In the state of Washington, we have this um, great technology called Eddy that allows people to see, okay, this person just went to that other ED and asked for the same prescription. Maybe we can pull them into a treatment program and kind of intervene before it becomes something catastrophic. Well, you oh, mentioned go, go, go a second ahead. problem outside of oh, Medicaid. Yeah. This is a more personal experience problem. So my father had drip, uh, triple bypass. And I think this interaction, this was a, in another health system, but it was a great clinical experience, but it was a horrible customer experience. And I have three physicians in my family. And despite the fact that all three physicians were there helping manage my father's care, I can't imagine what it would be like for somebody who didn't have that kind of support, it would have been completely discombobulating. So to give you a couple of examples, when we were doing research on, you know, the surgeon that may do surgery on my, my father, 
we knew every resource we could go and look into to, you know, evaluate the surgeon, right? And it was incredibly spare. At the end of the day, we had to go and talk to him, you know, in person. And what we knew before we, we interviewed him was that he was Irish and he had a good bedside manner. Like we had no other statistics on his, his ability to perform the surgery, right? Or, you know, his quality or whatever. Turns out he was an exceptional surgeon. So we were very, very lucky. And then I will t- just tell you that the entire process when my father was going through this felt like you were kind of strapped into, you know, a chair and it was just going to kind of move through the process. And uh, the nurses would do what they could to kind of communicate what was happening next, but it was very fragmented communications and that kind of thing. And then once you're kind of released out into the wild, you know, post-surgical, it was a lot of the patient coordinating their care. You know, they would have support, but it wasn't clear. It's not what we would consider an exceptional customer experience front, front to back. And I think most U.S. healthcare operates that way, and I think that's what's got to change. Cause what, what about a chatbot? Exactly. So, I mean, there's many, you can just already start to think about all the different technologies that exist elsewhere that could help that. I mean, one of the key things that my team always thinks about is the only two people that are truly necessary in healthcare is the physician, the nurse, the caregiver, the person providing treatment, the MA, whomever, who is serving the patient, you know, face to face, and the patient. And everything else is extraneous to that relationship. And, and at uh, Providence St. Joe's, we call that the sacred encounter. It's the interaction between you and your clinician, right? And our job as the digital team, and I would say our job as a health system, is to try to pull away all the friction that distracts from that conversation and from that interaction. Because that is truly, that is not a customer service event. That is counseling. That is you know, mental health, that is, that is a very special interaction that you've got with your caregiver um, that is unique from any other industry, right? It's not a customer service uh, a moment. Our job is to, to not distract the physician, the clinician, the nurse, and not distract the patient. Like, pull all this, that friction and distraction away from that, that event. Well, Aaron Martin, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Follow the work of Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group on Twitter at P-R-O-V Innovation. You can also follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Martin FC. You've been listening to Health Tech, a GeekWire podcast about the cutting edge of digital health. Sponsored by Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group. Find more episodes at geekwire.com slash healthtech and subscribe through iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm Claire McGrain. Thanks for listening.